Hi, this is David Flower, Senior Pastor at Grantham Church, an intergenerational convergent third-way congregation with the Brethren in Christ U.S. and located in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast and for following the sermons that I and many others preach at Grantham. This is a free podcast and it'll always be that way, but if you'd like to give and help further the work we're doing for the kingdom, we'd greatly appreciate it. If you want to do that, you can do that by going to GranthamChurch.org and clicking on the Giving tab. Whether you're a member of our church or you're listening as a parishioner, it's our greatest desire that you would encounter Jesus and be changed by the good news wherever you are. Anyway, God bless you, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Last week I said there are a few Sundays before Lent. Uh, Ash Wednesday is February 14th, so it's, it's coming. It's the next few weeks I wanted to uh, preach some standalone messages in response to the congregational exercise that we did on uh, New Year's Eve. Uh, last Sunday, I addressed um, anxiety in a message called Winning the War on Worry. And another common response that we got, was it had to do with how we spend our time, the need to set boundaries, and to rest. And so what I've done this morning is put together a message entitled Work and Rest in the Way of Jesus. Let's transition together with a brief prayer. Father, we open up our hearts and our minds up to you now, to the Scripture, to your Holy Spirit, to encounter you, Jesus. Speak to us, Lord, for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, would you open up? to our main scripture reading this morning, Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. Would you stand with me when you get there in your Bible? In honor of God's Word, also to get the blood flowing. Help you think better. Matthew chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. At about that time, Jesus was walking through some grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, so they began breaking off some heads of grain and eating them. But some Pharisees saw them do it and protested, Look, your disciples are breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to them, Haven't you read in the Scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God, and he and his companions broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. And haven't you read in the law of Moses that the priests on duty in the temple may work on the Sabbath? I tell you, there is one here who is even greater than the temple. But you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For the Son of Man is Lord, even over the Sabbath. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I was 19 years old, and I was um, in transition from leaving 
a theater program that I was in when I wasn't following the Lord. That isn't to say you can't follow the Lord and be in a theater program, but uh, God had called me into ministry. And so I was in this transition before going off to East Texas Baptist University and pursuing ministry. And I was, I was working at a grocery store. And uh, this grocery store in Texas, uh, we would sack people's groceries and take them out to the person's car. Is there any place like that here in Pennsylvania? I've not seen now. They stopped doing that about 40, 50 years ago, probably. So, um, so I was doing this one day. This was actually a Sunday morning. And I was, I was working because I had to work. I was scheduled to work. Um, I didn't want to work on Sunday morning. I wanted to get off, but I was waiting for my boss to, to allow me to do that. And so I took the groceries out to this man's car who I knew because he was the father of a friend of mine. And um, I was taking the groceries out, putting them in the car, and that was the moment he chose to tell me or scold me, however you look at it, for working on Sunday. Ask me, why was I not in church? Right? I should be in church and not working. Of course, like I said, I was 19 years old. I was a little taken back by it. I told you last week, uh, sometimes I, I freeze, like when the cow charged me, right? So I, I really wasn't thinking <laughs> real well in that moment until I walked back into the store and thought, well, you know, I wouldn't be working here on Sunday morning if you didn't come shop <laughs> on Sunday morning. So, of course, he didn't know and he didn't take time to ask that I would have preferred not to work on Sunday morning. So that was my uh, experience of delivering groceries to a Pharisee. <laughs> yeah, right? Would you think back to the scriptures we just read. It reminded me of another legalistic pastor, uh, you know, who would have believed something similar to this, who knew he wasn't supposed to work on Sunday, uh, and he never got a chance to mow his yard during the week, and it really needed it. And so he thought, if I keep my suit on while I mow the yard, Somehow that that won't count. Uh, have you ever encountered folks like that or, or that way of thinking? Or maybe you've thought that way yourself. And I really do think that's reflective of this religious group of people, the Pharisees. Now, the funny thing is, Jesus seemed to agree with the Pharisees quite a bit. I mean, theologically, he would have aligned with them more than any other religious political group of his day. The charge Jesus had toward them and the woes, right? You remember the woes toward the Pharisees is because of their hypocrisy. Is because they really loved the law, which was good. Jesus loved the law. But they would set up all kinds of other rules so that you never would actually get to breaking the law. And in the process of doing that would keep people from knowing who God really is, missing the real intent of the Scriptures, in this case a command to practice Sabbath, and so this, uh, this is very upsetting to Jesus, much like it would be if he was delivering groceries on that Sunday morning to this gentleman who was missing the point. So what is Sabbath? And what does it mean to truly honor it, to keep it holy, and to rest? And if we're going to talk about rest, then well, shouldn't we also say something about work? What does it mean to work. So before we talk about rest, I'd like to talk about work for just a moment. Post-pandemic, it may seem, and some of you I know probably have thought this, a lot of folks don't seem to want to work, right? And, and, and this isn't, um, you know, to speak with a, and paint with a broad brush here on people who uh, work at restaurants or whatever, but sometimes you might encounter people that's like, they're just mad that you showed up 
They don't really want to serve you, you know? And you kind of see this attitude in various places. So what does it mean to work? Isn't it good to work? What should our attitude be about work, regardless of the field or vocation? Doesn't the Bible say something about this? Yes, it does. Of course, what should a healthy rhythm of work and rest look like? That's really what I want us to focus on this morning. So let's begin by looking at what the Bible says about work. Now, I have a couple of slides this morning. There's a lot of information on there. So you can go back later on uh, tomorrow afternoon. The slides will be up on the website with the sermon. I encourage you to go back and look at some of the scripture references that I give for some of these notes. What does the Bible say about working? Well, number one, it's part of our calling in the world as image bearers. Starting in the garden, God created a garden and, and, and told the first human beings to, to work it, to take care of it that, that uh, working was actually a good thing. Creating, like the Father creates, is a good thing. We're also told to, to work to provide for ourselves and help others. We're told in the Old and the New Testament that if you don't work and you can work, you don't get to eat. <laughs> so it's about making a living as well. As disciples, it's part of our, our witness. Um, I think you heard Pastor Melissa make reference to that earlier, that we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, and part of that good works is working, <laughs> right? Having a job and doing our best at it. Jesus worked. Matthew 6, 3 tells us that Jesus was, and maybe your English translation says a carpenter, but more likely than not, the Greek word there is uh, technon, if I'm remembering that right, and that means someone who works with their hands. It's very likely that Jesus worked more with stone than he did wood, since wood would have been sparse in that area anyway. And that kind of work, it's, it's scholars believe that Jesus would have traveled a few miles over to a neighboring town uh, with his father Joseph to learn this trade, and it would have been hard work no doubt. And Jesus did that for the first 30 years of his life. So Jesus worked. We're also told in a couple different occasions, Matthew 8, 16, and 14, 15 example, we can see some insights in that Jesus worked sometimes long days. So Jesus worked. He worked hard. He worked long. Jesus told several parables about workers. The Father in these parables is depicted as wanting eager, hard, diligent workers. You see, it's a kingdom work ethic to work hard, to do our best, and to do it for the Lord. We don't work for people, Paul says, but for the Lord. Let's look at that. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24, Paul says, Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. That is the reward, not the paycheck. Oh, that's good, and we need that. But our inheritance from the Lord is the reward. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving. And think about it. Do you view your work that way? Maybe you're in a job that you love. It's probably a little bit easier to do it then, but Maybe you're working in a job right now that you don't love, and it's really hard. Or maybe there's certain seasons where it's hard. Remember, as Paul would tell us, that you're working for the Lord, not for that overseer, not for that, that boss who isn't such a nice guy. So work is good, and we should work hard on behalf of the Lord for the glory of God. But we also must be aware 
of the powers that work in the world that seek to make us slaves to our work, as well as other hobbies and commitments and activities and events that keep us so busy that it stifles our faith. So stop and consider for a moment why many of us tend to be so busy. See if any of this resonates with you. Why are we so busy? Well, our culture values speed and quickness from technology to the expectation of productivity. We want instant gratification. Everything moves very quickly now, doesn't it? Market ideology wants us exhausted. We make good shoppers and spectators. When rested people you see are, are dangerous because we're awake, we're alert, we're tuned in to injustice, and we're quick to respond to it. But when we're exhausted, not so much. We tend to operate more out of the amygdala, as we said last week. Why are we so busy? Well, hurried and task-oriented living is identity-forming. We get our identity from our work. Not getting things done would threaten that identity. Does any of this resonate with you? It makes sense? You say, I, 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 see, I see what you're saying. <laughs> In our culture, also, busyness implies importance. You ever been around, maybe at the water cooler, I don't know, maybe in the lobby this morning, talking to somebody, they're telling you how busy they are, right? Maybe you've done that. And sometimes you get the impression, like, I'm supposed to be impressed by this. And if we're honest, sometimes we're tempted to be impressed by, like, well, I'm not, I'm not as important as Tim. I don't have as many important, busy things to be doing. But really, we need to open up our eyes and see the truth of this identity-forming forces that come through work and busyness instead of rooting it in Jesus. Maybe we assume others will admire our successful lives if we stay busy. Also, another reason we stay busy, we're trying to block out maybe bad memories, ignore our present pain, and and silence our doubt and insecurities. We can stay busy so that we don't have to think about our inner life, what's going on in here, what's going on up, up here. I know I, I, I see family members of mine who do this. Maybe you do too. And maybe you've been there. You, you know from personal experience. And let's be honest. And my wife and I, we've been in, the, in our own conversations about this. Sometimes we feel like we don't have a choice. Like if I stand still, I'm going to get run over. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fall behind. I don't have a choice. We have to do these things. Our family, we have to do these things. We have to keep up. If we don't, we're going to miss out. Somebody's going to think something's wrong with us or whatever the reason is. But can I submit this to you? I think that this way of thinking, we have no choice, and hear me, is actually a sign of cultural captivity. A sign of cultural captivity. That, my friends, is slavery. The slavery that the Lord warns us about. Listen in his book, Answering God, Eugene Peterson wrote, Hurry is a form of violence practiced on time, but time is sacred. You see, one of the ways that God wants to help us understand the sacredness of time and of a healthy work-rest rhythm is through Sabbath rest. Not an obligatory way, not in a guilt-tripping way, not in a legalistic way, but as a gift. That's what I want us to hear this morning. In Deuteronomy 5, verse 12 through 15, the generation 
preparing to enter the promised land, we're reminded of this command given by God through Moses to his people. Listen to what he says. Deuteronomy 5, verse 12. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as Yahweh, the Lord your God, has commanded you. What is Sabbath? The Hebrew word there is Shabbat, which literally means to cease or desist from work, to stop all work. Sabbath for Jews is Friday evening to Saturday evening, which is more my Sabbath since uh, I'm a priest who works on Sunday, you know, according to what we said earlier. Um, Jesus mentioned in his dialogue with the Pharisees, right? The pastors, the religious leaders, we have to work on Sunday, not not a day of rest for us. But Sundays for most Christians is that Sabbath. You ever stop and wonder how did we shift from Saturday to Sunday as a day of worship? Do you know? What event? (laughs) The resurrection, yeah. Jesus was raised on Sunday, therefore the early Christians shifted their day of worship and of Sabbath. But the important thing is here is having a day. It's having a day. Jesus, again, recognized that, I think, in his dialogue with the Pharisees. Keeping it holy means to dedicate it to God and to protect it as a special day. Don't let the forces of empire have that day. Don't let the uh, identity-forming forces of work have that day. This day is for you. This day is a gift, a time to see. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work as as God rested in creation, which we'll come back to in just a moment. Again, to cease from work on the Sabbath. Verse 15, this is why. Look at this. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. You were slaves. (laughs) What's he saying? You're no longer slaves. You were slaves, but you're no longer slaves. And the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. This commandment is good for you. This is a gift, right? Slaves work seven days a week. Now, I don't, I don't want to show of hands, but if you work seven days a week, what does the Bible say about you? You're a slave. You're a slave. I know it's hard, but there's, a, there's again, a gift in this. There's freedom in this if we'll receive it. You see, but God did a miraculous work to free you from that bondage of slavery, First, an outstretched hands over the Red Sea, and then an outstretched hands on the cross. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that wonderful? The Lord has set us free. You can hear it in the text. Do you want to be a slave again? No? Well, okay then. Then receive the Sabbath as a gift and observe it. Keep it holy. Let's think more deeply about the purpose of Sabbath. What's the purpose? Well, again, as I said, God rested from his work. His work, remember in the Genesis account of creation, every day God creates, he says what? It is good. And then on the sixth day, the last day of creation, he says, it is really good. (laughs) It is really good. And then on the seventh day, remember each day it was said it was morning, it was evening, the day, right? The seventh day, it doesn't say that. That is, that is God continues to rest. He was utterly satisfied on the seventh day. We also see in the scripture that Sabbath is cessation from production, 
from creativity in our work and consumption throughout the week in order to root our identity in the Creator. It's a resistance movement. Hey, you want to be a part of that? Yeah, it's, it's an act of resistance to the scarcity narrative that says there's not enough. There's not enough. And to make it more personal, the scarcity narrative that says I am not enough. I am not enough. Folks, I know the powers. I know, I know the forces at work. And it's especially challenging for me. Um, I'm not a doctor. I am a pastor. But there's some similarities there, always sort of being on call, how to block off that time and protect that time of Sabbath, to cease from work, to know that the church is going to be okay with the Lord. It doesn't always need me. The church doesn't rise and fall on me, and, and so it is with you. Your family doesn't rise and fall on you. Your family has the Lord to care for you and to provide for you when we honor Him, right? It's an alternative way of living and doing community that's reflective of our covenant relationship with God. Think how strange that is. Until the Hebrews are given this command, right, and then all throughout Judaism and then into Christianity, how odd that was that this group of people, the people of God, would take a day of the week to not work. It really is an amazing thing to think about. It's an alternative way of living. The world doesn't think that way. Doing community, you see, that's reflective of this covenant relationship with God when we honor it because we trust our Father to care and provide for us. Sabbath says we trust God. We trust God. Jesus showed us that the true purpose of Sabbath was for resting creating space to reflect for resisting the slave-driving powers of empire, restoring us and others, and reconciling all things to do good on the Sabbath, even if some, like the Pharisees, classified it as work. So it isn't that you can't do things in some people's eyes that look like work, but it's, 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 it's the good that we do. Lastly, look at this, like REM sleep, you know that rapid eye movement sleep? You familiar with that? You need that, by the way, if you're going to be well rested. Uh, Deep spiritual rest is only found like this in Jesus. Think about it, if you you take short naps in a 24-hour period, just take little short naps, are you going to feel rested? No, you're not. You can't take short naps in a 24-hour period that equals up to six to eight hours of sleep and feel rested. It doesn't work that way. Your body needs to go deeper in REM sleep after resting for several hours straight. We know this, and so it is with us spiritually. Sabbath is REM for the soul. And listen to Jesus in Matthew 11. Before his confrontations with the Pharisees in chapter 12, he tells us that he himself is this Sabbath rest. And this, I think, is what Jesus had in mind when he tells them that they're they're not understanding the Scriptures. They're not understanding that he is Lord. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Think, Think of a yoke 
Well, you put on cattle, usually to work a field. The, the, the yoke is for guiding and directing. It also here represents uh, the responsibility that the Lord gives us. Take my yoke upon you. I will give you rest. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Listen to this, folks. Honoring the Sabbath doesn't come by observing a bunch of rules and regulations, wearing a suit while you mow the yard. By approaching this holy day legalistically, no, it doesn't come that way. It's not how we observe it, but rather by recognizing that it's a gift from God for us to enjoy and to learn to live free of the need to work. Mark 2, 27, Jesus said, the Sabbath the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, the Sabbath day's rest should be lightening our load, not increasing its weight. And, and that, that has a lot to do, I think, in our discernment of what to do on the Sabbath. Is it lightening your load to do those things? Or is it adding to its weight? And Jesus is saying that he is the very embodiment of Sabbath. Don't miss this. He's the very embodiment of Sabbath. If we're truly going to rest, we must come to Jesus when we Sabbath. And for when you cease from work, it's by resting in Him that we truly honor and observe this day the way God intended. Again, listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 12, verse 8, which we read a moment ago. He said, for the Son of Man, this is Jesus' favorite designation for himself, and it harkens back to Daniel 7, that mysterious ancient figure coming on the clouds of divinity. He says, that's who I am. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. That means that Jesus, as the one who created it, shows us what to do with it. Right? Jesus created it, and he shows us what to do with it. And what did he do on the Sabbath? Well, Jesus had a designated time of worshiping on the Sabbath. He went to synagogue on the Sabbath. He taught sometimes on the Sabbath. He healed people on the Sabbath. So he did good for people. He ate and he drank on the Sabbath. He enjoyed himself. He lived freely and treated the Sabbath as a glorious gift, not a restrictive legalistic burden. Amen. This is good news. This is good news. And this is a gift. We can see in the Gospels while Jesus Worshipped at, at the designated time, his, his Sabbath rest apparently was not fixed to a day or time of the week. Jesus, as you know, was always on call himself. So instead, he created a healthy rhythm of work and rest. Now, how can we do that? That's where I want us to end today. How, how can we navigate our modern times and find a healthy rhythm of work and rest? If you're taking notes, you might want to jot some of this down, or once it's all up there, you can take a quick picture of this. I think this will be helpful for us. Very practical stuff here. Number one, how can we establish healthy rhythms of work and rest? Honor the Sabbath and aim for deep spiritual rest in Jesus. That is, whatever your Sabbath is going to look like, begin the day with the right mindset committing the day to the Lord. In, begin the day devotionally, in prayer, and prayerfully. Don't work. That is, cease from doing the stuff you have to do every day for a paycheck, right? It isn't, you know, 
if, if somebody's a fisherman for a living, well, they probably should stop fishing on the Sabbath. I'm not a fisherman. For, I don't do that for a living. So what can I do on the Sabbath? <laughs> I can go fishing. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Honor the Sabbath. Aim, though, for deep spiritual rest in Jesus. We, this takes intentionality to begin the day devotionally, to cease from our, our, our daily work, and to do life-giving tasks and activities. Number two, number two, how do we establish healthy rhythms of work and rest? We set boundaries. Set boundaries in your daily life and weekly routines. There needs to be some times, folks, and I, and I know this. I say this from personal experience. I'm like you, right? You got to put away this, the smart devices. You got to block off some time. We're not going to bring it to the dinner table with the family. Uh, at a certain time of night, maybe you turn it off, you put it away until the kids are in bed or whatever. If you listen to what's going on inside of you, uh, you can gauge that yourself. What, what do you find is healthy and not healthy? How might the Spirit be leading you to set some boundaries here when it comes to that, to devices, to limiting work? You know, it's, it's interesting that now there's so many people that work remotely, right? We don't have to go into an office. I listened to uh, the New York Times uh, daily podcast. They were talking about this a bit. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. When you can work anywhere, you tend to work everywhere. It's really hard to turn it off. It's really hard and more challenging to create a space where you cease and desist from work. So I would encourage you. you know, there's a lot of freedom that comes in working remotely and working from, from home. But you're going to have to work extra hard to set some boundaries, to limit that work, to limit media, the kinds of things that are constantly, as I said, um, stimulating that amygdala and causing you to feel anxious and whatnot. Turn it off. Find some time to turn it off and protect, of course, most of all, protect relationships that are most important to you by doing this. So honor the Sabbath and aim for deep spiritual rest, not just physical rest. We need that. But spiritual rest in Jesus, that takes intentionality. Think how you want to do that. Think how you're going to enter into this kind of rest. Number two, set boundaries in your daily life and weekly routines. And, and if you need help with that, usually your spouse can help. <laughs> a close friend can help. A counselor can help. A spiritual director can help. And number three, set quiet times to connect and center your heart on God. I don't think there's any one set way to do this. What works for you? What would be a natural time to open up the Bible or to use an app on your phone or maybe on the go, right? There's a lot of apps that you can do that on your way to work. You've got some, some commute time. Use it wisely. Set certain prayer times. Jesus seemed to have certain prayer times from what we can tell. I mean, he was Jewish and he was a religious Jew, and there were certainly set prayer times for religious Jews. But Jesus also did many retreats. You know, there are times where he'd been doing a lot of ministry, he's exhausted and tired, and at the end of the day, what would he do? He would retreat to a mountaintop to pray, to get his life back, to remember where his identity comes from, to remember who he is, and to rest in the Father. Maybe there's some natural times in your week that you could do that, have sort of a, a mini retreat. And lastly, number four, ask someone to help you keep to the way of Jesus. Ask somebody to help you. A spouse would be a natural person to ask, or maybe it's a close friend, someone who knows you, you can be vulnerable and honest with, that can say, hey, I see that you're not taking time to cease and desist. I see you're, you're going all the time. You're not honoring those 
commitments that we made to set some boundaries. Who is that person in your life who can help you do this? As we say often here, Grantham, none of us are Lone Ranger Christians, and we don't have to go at this alone. So who can help you in this, in this journey? Finally, here's some questions to help us to reflect. As we think about work and rest in the way of Jesus, what is God saying to us, and how can we respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit? Number one, are you working hard at your job? Are you doing that? Uh, it, it, whatever the tasks are, maybe you're retired, so you don't, you don't have to clock in somewhere. Um, we all have something that we need to do, something we need to busy ourselves with in the Lord, working for the kingdom. What is it? And are you working hard at this? Are you serving Jesus? And do you see yourself serving the Lord in that? Not only can it help you get along with some difficult supervisors or managers, it truly is the way the Lord wants us to see our work. Are you doing that? Number two, are you resting from work one full day of the week? Are you doing that? Are you honoring and observing Sabbath rest in the way of Jesus? Do you have quiet times with Jesus during the week? If not, that might be the thing to do at the end of this message. Ask the Lord, God, what do I need to do to set boundaries? What do I need to do to be intentional in etching out quiet moments with you? Lastly, number three, what is God saying to you about setting boundaries, adopting healthy rhythms of work and rest? Think about it this way. What is one thing, one thing, just one, maybe two, but you can do one. What's one thing you can do to set up a helpful boundary between work and rest? What can you do to get some REM rest in Jesus? Brothers and sisters, let's reflect on what we've heard. Talk about it with a pastor, a partner, a friend. Pray together about how the Lord wants us to slow down and experience true rest for our souls. Let's pray together. Lord, would you help us to do this? Everything about our society and culture has us going so fast, being so busy, feeling like we have no choice. So Holy Spirit, we need your wisdom and insight. We need your guidance. Would you bring to our, our heart and our mind what one or, or two, thing that we could, two things that we could do to receive Sabbath as a gift from you? Lord, show us what that is. Father, I pray for Grantham Church that our work would be done for you with joy, seen as a way of living out the kingdom. Lord, help us also to receive this command, to hear it, to receive it, to apply it as a gift and a blessing so that we wouldn't be slaves, but be your servants, that we'd live freely, that we'd know the abundant life that you promise. 
and that your yoke is easy and that your burden is light. We pray these things in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, amen, amen.